Weapon set the standard for the buddy cop film, pairing a middle-aged, evenly-mannered black cop family man who plays it by the book with a young, mentally unstable undercover detective who's a wild card. And this just goes to prove that even if they are mentally unstable and are trying, people are trying to get them 5150'd, they can still become a police officer. <laughs> exactly, because this is 80s movies. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Lethal Weapon is about two detectives who are an unlikely pair um, put together to solve the case of a young porn actress who appears to have jumped to her death. And it's also about... Um, all white men sucking. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. And so I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot about Lethal Weapon that I'm anxious to get into because I think there's a lot here that's what's wrong with society today. And I think Lethal Weapon is the impetus for that. We'll get into that. But I do want to start off by saying that there was a socially responsible structure in place here, right? Because the black cop is upper middle class, stable reasonable, respectful, and it's the white cop who has problems. And he, you know, not that there's anything wrong with living in a trailer, but they show him on the lower economic side of things. Compare, I mean, he's by the beach, but we live by that beach. If you live in that trailer by that beach, that doesn't it's mean anything. It, you don't, it's not, yeah. There's some, like, trailers in Malibu. Those are nice. These, no, not this one. Um, and uh, the, 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 so the black cop here is the positive influence, and... Yet, Riggs, the white cop, saves the black cop's life more than once. And he saves his black daughter. And we learn that the reason Murtaugh's old war buddy keeps saying you owe me one is because he, the white guy, saved the black guy's life in Vietnam. So... You know, and the reason, and then, and this is where we get into the greater problem. So it's like, okay, so they set up one circumstance, but then they make the black guy weak in a way. Yeah. And why? Because he does things by the book, right? He treats suspects respectfully instead of roughing them up. And that obviously doesn't get the job done. See how easy that was? Boom, still alive. Now we question him. You know why we question him? Because I got him in the lake. I didn't shoot him full of holes to try to jump off a building yeah, with that's him. That's no fair. The building guy lived. No, whatever. The point being, no killing. No killing. Right. Yeah, right. Piece of cake. Now I'm happy. Just read him his right, and I'll stand over here being happy. Uh, uh, he's got a gun! Riggs is telling Murtaugh, like, you have to kill. You have to kill. And he's like, uh, I'm not killing nobody because there's no reason to kill anybody. By the way, that's stupid. Because <laughs> then you can't question them. Yes, it makes no sense. Why would you do that? It's against the job. But you're right. And then by the end of the movie, somehow he has convinced him that you have to kill. Right. With that epic final shot, right? As Mr. Joshua rises from police custody, uh, you know, from being, he, he reaches in, he grabs a gun, and then that shot in slow motion, so you don't miss it. Yeah. Got Riggs and Murtaugh together, pulling their weapons at the same time to blow Mr. Joshua away. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I was really surprised. I went into watching Lethal Weapon thinking what we were going to get out of this. And, you know, of course, we wanted to cover this because right now we've got all of this uh, police brutality that's finally being addressed. But I thought we've been trying to address it for a very long time. now. Right, right, right. But finally, maybe something's getting done. But I thought, where did this start? Because 
you know, I, I, I listen, I worked for a police department for a couple of years in 1992. Uh, let's see, 1990 to 1992. And, you know, and in, in, in a very diverse community, Columbia, Missouri. Um, and we didn't have any of these issues. I don't, I mean, I feel like I would remember if there was ever a police involved shooting, it would, it would rock your station, right? Like well, it yeah. would be a big deal. I mean, and we just had one police station in Columbia, Missouri, you know, like, and so uh, there was none. There were not racist issues. There were economic issues. You know, we had, we had to take, but there were not racist issues. No one was coming. No one was protesting. No one had issues. And I thought, when did this start? Because I don't remember it being a problem then. And it could be my white girlness. I just didn't know. But like, I, I don't think so. I just, I don't recall it. You weren't on the scene though. You were never. I, well, I, I did some ride-alongs, but um, and and it really gives me empathy for cops. So much empathy, it drives you crazy. But um, I, ultimately, I thought, where did this start? And looked back at movies. So I went into watching Lethal Weapon, thinking that what we were going to get was the mental illness part. Here, you got a guy who's out of control, who's uh, who shouldn't be on the force, and yet and we, who women are telling the men. Do not put this man on the force. He will kill people. And they said, well, that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, what? he's so reckless. He doesn't value his own life. He's so reckless. He's going to, in his own desire to end his life, will do it somehow in a way that brings... Like taking down the entire precinct. But instead, he's the hero. By doing that exact thing. And that's on men not taking women seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I was just like, why do you have a police psychiatrist if not for if this? If he's not even going to talk to her. <laughs> he didn't even talk to her. Yeah. She just read his file. Oh, yeah. Like, he, they never met. You're right. I didn't even notice that. You no, because they kept bringing up the psychiatrist. And I was like, why the fuck are they bringing a psychiatrist into this? But she's staying in the office just talking to the head and why give Chief. her the file if you're just going to ignore her advice? Exactly. So whoever handed her the file had to say, we're concerned. And then she'd be like, you should be concerned. Get him off the force. And the fact, pass on that idea. And the fact that the head chief didn't even tell anybody, hey, watch out for him. Because even though I'm going to put him on, on the force as a mentally ill person who's going to kill people, <laughs> just know that he's going to do that. He didn't tell anybody that. And his own Riggs partner had to call the woman directly. Right, right. To get, because they to brought the analysis. psychiatrist in, yeah. but there was no analysis. Right. Right. You're right. What was the point? You're right. Um, she was in there for two scenes. Well, and then, <laughs> what was the point of her in the first place? Exactly. And, you know, part of what I thought that they would get into, they kept dancing around Vietnam PTSD. Okay. Legitimate. Right. We talk a lot about PTSD now and we really see it as a concern. These soldiers in Vietnam really had incredibly damaging things and traumatic things happen to them. And I don't know, I don't believe they were really properly addressed um, at the time. So I thought, oh, this is what we're going to get into. Well, they really didn't. (laughs) They mentioned their Vietnam experiences and Riggs seems to have some concerns that he is a lethal weapon, you know, that he is a killing machine, that that is his skill in life. And yet, even though he kind of voices this in a 
woe is me negative kind of way, he turns around and, and advocates for violence, right? I mean, and, and then this is where we get into how it glorifies police brutality. Okay, so... Well... No, go ahead. I mean, the scene that, like, without even adding on to anything else that was happening, the scene of them, of uh, Riggs and Joshua fighting to the death <laughs> fighting to the death right in front of his in front of the entire squad and the, and they didn't do jack shit because the but the black guy told them back up back up yeah and you heard on the back police up. you heard on the police you know whatever walkie-talkie or you know police uh, radio rig you know this is Riggs scene uh, or whatever. It's Riggs. It's under his control. So it was decided that they would fight it out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that is. So what that is <laughs> is toxic masculinity. That, Number one, <laughs> that we have. Appar- a lot of people have died, including cops, because of this guy. So you're gonna fight it out with him in a fist fight, like instead of arresting him and making sure he gets the appropriate justice and is a. Uh, you know, is a representative of what not to do. Like, you make him uh, your poster child for don't mess with the cops. Especially because like you killed the others. <laughs> All of them. Yeah. I, I, but you're going to fight it out? And then because, by the way, of that choice, they wind up having to kill him. Kill him. <laughs> because he, Riggs kind of loses. Because, you know, they're, they're, it's crazy. I mean, it, it I mean, the point is, is that Riggs is crazy, but the fact that the entire police force is surrounded and they just lost two policemen. And so what I definitely know about cops, you know, especially if you watch movies, is that they really don't like it when you kill one of their own. That's not something that they're going to just shrug off and be like, okay, why don't you just kick his ass first? I mean, no, I mean they're gonna want to take him down, and I just the whole thing was just so incredible and um, incredulous. Um, the second thing, if we're gonna bring Black Lives Matter into the police brutality part of it, yeah, um, one of the biggest scenes that stood out for me, even though it was five seconds, it's five seconds in this movie, and I saw it and was like, God damn it, Marta and his daughter in Riggs get out of the movie theater or wherever they are <laughs> on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, Hollywood boulevard <laughs> right this is a or sunset this is a very big Holly- street i think it's hollywood boulevard it's yeah. a very busy big street they run out Riggs and joshua the two white men are shooting at each other from across the street joshua is in a car across the street they are continuing to shoot at each other joshua has literally pulled someone out of their car and taken their car in the middle of the street and they're still shooting at each other Riggs is running on top of cars trying to shoot joshua and the first thing that a cop is who is on the street does is run up to murta and his daughter the -hmm. black guy and tries to arrest him because he has a a revolver in his hand right. while Riggs has a fucking AR-15 in his hand. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like they're trying to recognize that there is this black bias, right? Um, where they show the little kids when they, when they go to the prostitute's house to talk to her and there's a handful of black six-year-old kids. And they say, my mom says the cops shoot yeah. black people yeah. or something like that and uh 
Danny Glover says, oh, you know, when I shoot, like, I just shoot to stop them and stop to <laughs> enter them so I could talk to them. So I do feel like they were addressing that. And that's where there is some, it feels like Shane Black, the writer, was trying to be socially responsible in here. And yet goes off in such an irresponsible path. But what I think we have to recognize is what was leading up to Lethal Weapon. What was leading up is this rampant toxic masculinity uh, with all the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and all the Sylvester Stallone movies. And they're showing muscles and guns. And this is what it's like to be a man. And if you're a man, you know, of course you're going to fight with your fists and your guns. Part of what they did with Lethal Weapon is made sure they had all of these cutting edge guns. Like they had firearms that you couldn't get just anywhere. They had them brought in. I mean, it was a big deal. Like to show you how awesome their guns are. So, uh, and I mean, of course the, 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 title is lethal weapon because the and the tagline was one cop carries a lethal weapon the other cop is one (laughs) you know and that being able to kill uh that quickly and easily is being masculine and of course why while danny glover is, is like a you know perfectly nice and handsome uh gentleman he's not sexy like well, Mel they don't Gibson. make him sexy. Right, he could be sexy, well, but they true. left him with the gray hair. They left him in that wife beater. They left him <laughs> with only a revolver when Riggs has an AR-15. <laughs> and Riggs, by the way, can can kill people with his thighs. Like you know. Oh yeah, he was choking him like out with his penis. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's like if that is not. I was like fart in his face, fart in his face. <laughs> I was just like that is the most toxic masculinity uh, masculinity move i've ever seen like i'm gonna i'm going to strangle you with my thighs and my cock is in your face i've seen a wrestling match where that literally happened and the kid (laughs) farted in the other kid's face and the kid threw up (laughs) (laughs) and that's on toxic masculinity yeah um another thing about the uh the um cops uh, my mom says cops kill people I will say some factual evidence that I have come across. When police officers are in training, they are the only reason that they are supposed to pull out their gun is to kill. It's shoot to kill. That's a part of their training. It's not shoot them in the leg so you get them down if they're running away. It's not they have no obligation to do that. It's they shoot to kill. Yeah, and I so. and and as we've been addressing all these police brutality incidents uh, beyond police brutality just police shootings my biggest question is why are you just killing these why would you just kill somebody because you know why because their duty as a police officer is not to protect us it's not it's to catch the people after they have done the crimes so there are so many stories of women who are literally kidnapped and being raped and they call the police and tell them and the police say sorry we can't do anything about it until you're dead Uh. they can they say that they cannot do anything about anything until you are not breathing Hmm. that's it's 100 percent true i've heard 80 billion stories on it it's all 100 percent true (laughs) there were two women that called the police four times while being kidnapped and they didn't do jack shit and they ended up dying wow I don't... And guess what? They didn't catch the guy. Uh-huh. Because they don't care. And you know what else? That in their, um, in the Constitution, I'm pretty sure it says that they're, like, they're not here to protect you. 
they're here to to it's it's they're not here to protect you well they have no legal obligation to protect you um um i don't know about any of that i've never read any of that so i've read so many stories i mean i think there's a lot of examples of police not you know addressing things that needed to be addressed i mean you know of course you're discounting all the times that police are there and are helpful which would I'm just willing to guess. Do outnumber forty percent of cops abuse their wives, and I just <laughs> want to say that that's just the statistics that have been told. Because most people, when they're being abused and called the cops, they don't do anything about it because the cop is their friend, and they're not going to put charges against one of their own. Like you said, they don't like when one of their own dies. They also don't like when one of their own is charged with something. Mm-hmm. So they hide the evidence and they hide the file so that nothing happens. And guess what? That woman continues to be abused while cops know about it and all his friends know about it mm-hmm. and they can't do anything so 41 percent of police officers statistically beat their wives and abuse their wives and that is just the statistics we have that haven't been hidden mm-hmm. and that's almost 50 percent of cops so when i say i fucking hate cops including your cop dad i don't give two shits about your cop dad that's what i'm saying because you know why? Because he stands idly by, and I know for a fact, if anything happened to one of his own, he would protect them. Mm-hmm. Which is not what you should be doing. You are not above the law. There was a girl who said that her dad was a pol- is a police officer, and as even though she is not, he's not shot anyone or killed anyone. She has asked him if, like, like what would you do? Like, it, he said, "I am the law." Mm-hmm. The law doesn't apply to me because he goes 90 on the highway. And yeah. she was like, well, you don't think that 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 applies, that doesn't apply to you, but applies to everybody else? Mm-hmm. said, I am the law. Mm. I am the law. So they, so if they break the law, they are the law. So it doesn't fucking matter is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. No matter what he does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because he, no one can report him because he's above them and he has the file things and he has all of the information and he can go to the precinct and just walk in and go up to any one of them and ask them for the information. Mm-hmm. Unlike everybody else. Yeah. Who can't do that. And will just get put in prison. Mm-hmm. What... The question to me is where did all of this start to become acceptable behavior within within the world of cops? So... This is getting back to, to to where it was in Lethal Weapon. Um, I think Lethal Weapon is the impetus. There have been movies about cops since movies, right? I mean, there's always been. Um, and sometimes they're portrayed ridiculously and incompetent. And Can sometimes... I ask when Lethal Weapon was made? 1987. So what was the movie we watched um, about the Porkies, was it? Yeah. Yeah, well, in about, where it was an abusive cop who yeah. abused the law, right, and was trying to arrest minors. So I think that cops abusing power has probably also been a thing for a long time. But I went and I looked through film, you know, kind of glanced through film history to try to gather some information. I mean, it's interesting when you look at the fifties people were really watching television and I think weren't as into the movies or at least I don't think the movies carried that much influence they were less about these cop stories but um the 70s you know where you have people who are very disillusioned with authority and taking matters into their own hands which is similar to kind of what's starting to happen now you do have these significant two cop films uh some significant cop films you have Dirty Harry 
about a unorthodox, you know, cop who just shoots to kill uh, with Clint Eastwood. And so, and then you have Death, you have Death Wish, which is Charles Bronson, and it's a vigilante film where I'm going to take the matter into my own hands. There was no one here to help me save my wife. I'm going to go kill the bad guys. But these are early 70s movies. Oh, and by the way, The French Connection is another one which shows cops who, like one who uses the N-word and roughs up black guys all the time. Uh, but these are not glorified examples. And when you look at the early 70s, you're really looking at these, you know, more like my dad, you know, like grandpas <laughs> today who went to Vietnam and understand what a gun does and have that kind of sense. But now when you go to 1987, it's something different. Okay. So now you've got this young, a group of young people who didn't serve in the war, but who grew up with a anti-authority point of view. What's appealing to them to become a cop? The fact that they, you know, they, that you show these guys with power being cool, have, driving cool cars, being sexy. So in, in the early 80s, there was, you don't think that, well, Mel Gibson was considered sexy in 1987. You're making a face like you're in pain that I said that. I don't think, I've never seen, uh, I don't know. Riggs was kind of hot, but like. Well, I'm getting there. Most cops are not attractive, especially oh. with those uniforms. Blech. Well, Nest. we're talking about <laughs> entertainment's portrayal of cops. So... In the early 80s, there was a must-see TV show called Hill Street Blues and that everyone watched. And it was changed the way cop stories were told, where it used to be about the cases and it really became about the cops themselves and their lives. They weren't all, like some of them took bribes. They weren't always like great portrayals of these cops, but they were just supposed to show real lives. And it was a big hit and it won a million bazillion Emmys and everyone knew about it. And then in 1984, one of the writers of that show created Miami Vice. And Miami Vice was MTV Cops. So now we are making Vice Cops, which is what Riggs is. He's a narcotics cop, narcotics detective. And they are cool, okay? They are good looking. They are cool. They drive the coolest cars. They they set fashion. They set the fashion trend. It had amazing music. And every teenager was watching this show. So when you get to Lethal Weapon, now you're like, okay, so we're building upon the toxic masculinity that has been a proven success in film. We're building on this, you know, uh, buddy cop thing that we're seeing in Miami Vice, one black cop, one white cop. We're building on this thing that they're, sexy and cool and getting into the drugs because of course now by the late 80s they're starting to be okay we have all these south american uh you know drugs running through and we got to stop it and the war on drugs was going on so they come together to really present an idea that you know being a cop is cool having power is cool in miami vice that's when they start like several criminals would die in every single episode and that started to be a difference from the way that we would see police stories told so it's all kind of building on each other um and so that's what i think but i think lethal weapon there's no cop that hasn't seen lethal weapon there's none and they they make it as you said as you pointed out and i was shocked to see that in the film the film is literally about teaching a cop to stop shooting in the leg but rather to shoot to kill and i did some more research and it turns out that when they're looking now like about the training it was actually they they had fewer police involved shootings in the 70s and early 80s and by 1990 
by 1990, it changed. Because cops thought that they had the right to do that. Yeah, before they were being trained exactly like what Murtaugh says, to shoot in the leg. They were teaching them if you have to shoot, you don't shoot to kill. And then it changes. And they start doing, they start teaching them to shoot to kill. And I mean, that's, and that's it. I mean, that's it. It is lethal weapon that is eventually like instigated all of this. This is 80s movie guide. <laughs> that's all we're going to talk about. Uh, I mean, I'll we just, can talk about more. I'm I mean, like... I was just going to say there's one moment where Riggs snorts cocaine and no one says anything about it. Oh, you're right. When he's about to bust the guys, does he taste it? He tastes it, right? No, I thought he snorted it. I thought he was in his trailer before he shot himself. Oh. Or was he drinking? I don't know. I swear he, he snorted something, and I was like, oh, he's oh. a cop, and he's doing cocaine. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he's not necessarily the good guy. I mean, that's kind of part of the point, too. He's not necessarily the good guy here. Um, the other, but, but the wild card thing, I, oh, and that's also part of Riggs' appeal, we have Top Gun. We have, uh, there were a couple of films being put out at this time where being, being the maverick, being, you know, being this guy who's reckless and out of control, but yet is the hero of the film and is, is, gets the, you know, beautiful girl and drives the cool jet or car or whatever, where that is a thing. And so Riggs is also building on that. So his mental instability is almost a selling point, you know? It is a selling point for the film. You don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he'll solve the problem. He'll take care of business, but, you know, he's, he's unpredictable. He's a ticking time bomb. He is a, t- yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the other thing is why in the world did the girl who jumps, uh, off of the, uh, out of, jumps out of the window, why did she have to be a porn actress? And why did she have to be topless? Right. I mean, the opening shot are her boobs, right? We're going to see boobs and her right doing, out of the gate. And, oh, maybe she was doing cocaine. I don't remember. She was doing something. She'd been, she was doing something. They had <laughs> given her drugs laced with whatever drain cleaner or something that was going to kill her either way either way so which real investigative cop work will do <laughs> is realize this this wouldn't have been a murder case if they didn't do, do that little but right. six people can get hung in the middle of the day at a park and uh they say it's a suicide but you know yeah you know that's that's part of what the, but this is also what they tried to get into in lethal weapon Murtaugh wants to accept the easy conclusion. He wants to say, no, it's like she, she jumped out of a window. It's a suicide. That's what happened. And then Riggs is like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's too easy. We have to look deeper. And they do, you know, and then they find that there's a whole ring. By the way, do we think Mr. Joshua was the end of that? No. By killing no. him, they, they, they don't find out who the source is. All the, you know, wherever they're getting the drugs, they're only going to show up later with some other... In the beginning, Joshua was just the side guy. Yeah. He was just someone's side. Right, who would he be was willing a side to get burned by... He literally <laughs> was like, give me your hand, burned him, and he didn't flinch and said, okay, you can go now. Like, he was a side bitch. Uh-huh. And then he becomes the ultimate bad guy. But, uh, no, I mean, I guess uh, he's the killer, I guess. Yeah. Like you said, they didn't get any other evidence for anything else because they shot 
every sing they killed every single person that was there and Joshua. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually didn't even solve that case. <laughs> but they, they put an end to it, that's for sure. Oh, it's the thought that counts. No. No, I, no that's what <laughs> that's I'm That's not how it should work. No, everybody everybody associated with the girl who jumped out of the window is dead. Her dad is dead. Her, uh, the prostitute who was with her is dead. The drug lords are dead. <laughs> so how do you solve a case? You kill everyone associated with it. Done. It was all their fault. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, all those people were just part of the team and bystanders and, uh, you know, that's exactly what cops are when someone's stepping on someone's neck and killing them and the cops just decide to stand there. Yeah. And watch. Yeah. We've definitely... I mean, they still deserve it. What? Who deserves it? The people that died. In In the movie. In the movie. And that's, by the way, how they make you feel okay with everything that's going on. They create a case. I mean, even the most subtle things. For instance, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they realize that the daughter has been kidnapped and there's a note, he opens it and it says uh, something like, your daughter looks pretty naked, right? They don't, he doesn't say it out loud. It's there. You have to pick up and read it. But that's how you know he's just so awful that he would, and there's a, he has a Polaroid, right? So you know that they just sent Murtaugh a picture of his teenage daughter naked you know that's how sick they are right and and that's how they tell you these guys deserve to die and no matter what happens you're okay with it and that's in switching the narrative but in the meantime you still have Riggs saying no we should just kill everybody that drug dealer let's just kill him these two girls who were dealing up the coke (laughs) you know and putting it into bags they just all deserve to die all right well if you wondered how we got there how we how where this whole thing started it starts with lethal weapon it starts with the movie which by the way i thought was going to be funnier it it gets funnier in the following ones in uh lethal weapon two and three they make them actual comedies it's not so it's not really funny i think this movie is didn't i don't think it started everything because i think this has been going on for 400 years now everything that's involved with this um including police originally being um slave patrol Mm -hmm. to catch slaves that's what police were the before they were police Mm -hmm. um they were to kill the slaves that were running away or take them back to where they were so i think that this put a narrative and empathy on it Mm -hmm. on i mean we should be putting empathy with mental illness that doesn't mean someone with mental illness should be a cop right like it's it's trying to make it okay and make it reasonable and normal Mm -hmm. when it it shouldn't be in any of those situations it shouldn't be normal i don't think this is the way that you destigmatize mental illness i don't think this was the right story for that no definitely wasn't because that nothing ends up happening with him in the end. Like, and no, in the end he says, oh, by the way, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm not mentally ill. And Murtaugh says, I know you're not. So it's like, well, it's all an act. I mean, what was that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, he never talked to that psychiatrist. He couldn't get his fucking meds. So like, that's, 
that's on them. <laughs> if they wanted to, if they wanted to empathize mental illness, they would have had him meet up with the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist being like, "Oh, you have this, 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 and this. You can take these with it, or you could just get the fuck out of the precinct." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not be a cop. Right. Which would have been a way better narrative. I mean, I think you would give him a desk job, right? Yeah. Like, you can have your position and you can maybe strategize, but you can't be out there in the field at this point in time if you're suicidal and also seemingly, you know, a killer who (laughs) has a record of being able to shoot right through the head and make a smiley face from a really far distance. I mean, that's crazy. So, this is 80's Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. My last thing I have to say is, um, fuck cops. You can tell me whatever you want. I don't care. So, bye. Alright, there's a Gen Z opinion. (laughs) Thanks for listening. When it tears you apart Your heart and soul just can't